The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Their global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. I'm so pleased today to be joined by Justin Nozneski, who's the Chief Marketing Officer over at Atrit here, a longtime member uh, with a number of different companies. Justin, it's so great to have you here today. Maybe you could start. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Happy to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, Justin, and I've been the uh, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at HQ. Uh, I've been at the company for eight years. Uh, I started in January of 2014. I came from, uh, as you mentioned, another medical device company here locally, a company called Vital Images. It's a diagnostic imaging software company. And I've, I, our CEO here at HQ, Mike Carroll, I was also CEO at, at Vital Images, and so I've been working with and for Mike for uh, about 15 years or so in total, but uh, it's been really a really awesome eight years for sure. Right on, and I think that says uh, a fair bit about Mike's leadership that he can keep good people around for that long. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For those of the, our audience members who maybe aren't as familiar with the company, what is Atric here? What's it about? Yeah, so Atricure is primarily an atrial fibrillation company, and that's uh, we're broadening our, our our portfolio and our the therapies that our products are using. And I'll talk about that a little bit as well. But Atricure really was founded as an atrial fibrillation company, and and we'll we'll talk I think a little bit about how we fit into the AFib space. AFib being a very broad uh, uh, set a broad disease, unfortunately, it affects tens of millions of people around the world. Uh, but there are a lot of different therapies for AFib, and we are, if you think about atrial fibrillation as a disease and you think about it as a progressive disease, so there's less severe forms of AFib and there's more uh, very severe forms of AFib, uh, we definitely serve the patients that are the more severe forms of atrial fibrillation. And so that's where we fit into the marketplace, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about our therapies and our indications and our our clinical and product strategy, um, but really HCure is, is, is think about it, HCure is treating the more severe population of atrial fibrillation patients. Recently, uh, in the last several years, let's call it three years, we've launched also a pain management therapy where we've taken our cryothermic ablation platform and applied it to treating patients for post-operative pain, patients who are undergoing thoracic or cardiothoracic surgery. And so our cryosphere device uh, is a, a growing, a, a very quickly growing part of our business and becoming a really big part of what HCure does um, as a company in treating post-operative pain. It's a long lasting analgesic. And so it provides 
you know, a multi-month uh, therapy for patients who are undergoing cardiothoracic surgery and, and treating their in, in minimizing their post-operative pain. So Atricure is founded, founded as an AFib company and still very much is, uh, but we are also branching into new markets like post-operative pain management. And, and just a bit on the post-operative pain management piece. So it, is that something where you know, if I had surgery, post-surgery, I might be prescribed, say, opioids or other medications to manage the pain, which can work, but also can have some potential problems. Is this an alternative or an adjunct to that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's a good question. So I would think about it as an adjunct. So um, it's not a replacement therapy in any way. So, you know, pain management is really a multimodal approach. And so there's really not a a protocol per se, or a one size fits all. Uh, it is oftentimes hospital physician or patient dependent. Um, our therapy, if you're uh, undergoing thoracic surgery or cardiac surgery, any type of surgery that involves uh, an intervention through the thoracic space or through your ribs, one of the challenges in doing surgery like that is while it's less invasive, it is painful because you have nerves that run right along each one of your ribs and are in very close proximity to your ribs. So anytime you disrupt your ribs, so if you've ever gotten hit in, 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 in the ribs, that's why it's so painful to breathe because your nerves are right, run right underneath each one of your ribs. And so anytime you're spreading your ribs to do cardiac surgery or cardiothoracic surgery or general thoracic surgery, it's very painful, even though it's less invasive for the patient and oftentimes involves a smaller incision than doing a sternotomy as an example, yeah. but either it is painful. And so managing post-operative pain is very important, is an important part of a physician strategy and a hospital strategy and anesthesia strategy in managing these patients. So we're just, we're one part of that um, right. in, in, in adding uh, an option for helping patients uh, deal with that post-operative pain. Uh, that, that's very cool and, and fascinating. It, pain is, one of the most complex areas of medicine because it's it's hard to have something definitive. You and I could have the same thing happen and react to it very differently. So yeah, the management of it's very complex. It's great to know there's you know additional options that are out there. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it is pain is highly subjective, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so like you said, everybody kind of reacts differently and. If you, you know, have ever been in a hospital or, or, or had surgery and they ask you, you know, look at this picture and they use a, a visual analog scale, uh, a vast scale to, to say, you know, happy face, sad face, uh, you know, on a scale right. of one to 10. Uh, and, you know, depending on who you are, it can be, you know, if, uh, if me personally, I might go more towards the 10, uh, you know, for after uh, having surgery, um, but other people might say, oh, it's not that bad. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, it is subjective, but again, we're, we're trying to play a part in, in, in taking, you know, the interesting thing about that therapy is that we took an existing platform that Atricure uh, right. had, you know, for cryothermic ablation. So we do cryoablation for uh, heart ablation, heart tissue uh, ablation, and taking that same technology platform and applying it to a new therapy in a different part of the body. Uh, so I think that's that's the really cool part mm-hmm. of, of the story, just from kind of an organic uh, product development perspective, is taking that technology, that platform, right. and applying it in a totally different area. And that's something we're also trying to do 
on the atrial fibrillation in the in the arrhythmia space, the general arrhythmia space. So while we have therapies for treating atrial fibrillation, we're also branching out and studying new uh, treatments for arrhythmias using similar technology to what we use to treat uh, atrial fibrillation. So as an example, we just uh, have really started talking about uh, treating uh, an arrhythmia called inappropriate sinus tachycardia, which is something that isn't really as well known as atrial fibrillation, but affects a lot of people and typically affects younger people, is often misdiagnosed. And so it's really not really well understood uh, from a referral pathway perspective, but it's taking the same technology and applying it to a new disease. So I think that's a lot of what we do from a strategy standpoint, from a product development standpoint, from a market development standpoint, is try to find ways to apply what HGEAR is really good at, which is ablation technology, and apply it in in new therapies and in treating more and more patients, but patients not just with atrial fibrillation, but with other other diseases. Right. I mean, what that reminds me of is um, there's this very famous poster that Earl Bakken had made decades and decades ago from a person head to toe and all the different places he wanted to be able to treat using electrical stimulation. And we've seen over the decades, companies develop amazing applications of electrical stimulation, often through leads, to treat a wide range of disorders. You're talking about taking this core ablation technology and finding different places to be able to treat the patients and help them out. I love hearing that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always found interesting in in the time I've you know got to know you and got to know Atric here is you guys are this fast growing but today mid market company, right? You're not yet say the size of a Medtronic or J and J, but that's someday you bet. I'm always curious. You know, while there can be challenges to not having the resources of the big giants. I think there's also sometimes advantages to it in agility and other areas. How do you guys see, you know, the size of the company being an advantage and the way you're able to go and execute on your strategy? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to focus. We are really focused. And I mentioned a, a few ways, you know, before that we are focused. So we have, we're, we're really good at, at, at certain things. And so staying really focused on those things and then trying to figure out how those products can serve more and more patients, but using kind of a set of core expertise in doing so uh, is really is really important for HCare. And, and that applies even to business development strategies. So we've uh, acquired uh, three companies in the last eight, eight and a half years or so. All three of those companies fit really well with things that Atricure is good at, and we're very complementary. So when you think about synergy and you think about strategy and you think about how you maintain focus, even while you're taking uh, opportunities to expand the company inorganically through acquisitions, uh, staying really true to what Atricure is, is good at uh, is, is, is a big part of our strategy. So I think, you know, it's easy to chase shiny objects sometimes, especially when you're a growth company and there, especially when you're an AFib, there's just so much opportunity, right. um, you know, to, to, to do different things and to expand into different technologies and, and therapies, but really, you know, maintaining a, a, a really uh, tight focus 
on the market and the types of patients that uh, we feel like our you know technology can really serve really well is is something that has served HCure very well you know yeah. long long before I got here uh, and now it's you know uh, you, you see even though the company is bigger and growing very quickly you still see kind of a core focus on things that we're really good at and that's you know uh, radio frequency and cryothermic ablation. Uh, it's a left atrial appendage management, but specifically epicardial left atrial appendage mm-hmm. management with, without getting too far into the weeds. It's, it's a different kind of approach, you know, that, that, that we take that really nobody else takes. And then post-operative pain management. I mean, these are the things that you'll, you'll see HCare continue to, to, to be really focused on. But as we get bigger, you know, there are opportunities to do more more things. There's more investments that can be made to grow the business. You know, we've, we've really tried to maintain uh, an an advantage when it comes to generating clinical evidence. We have a lot going on from a clinical perspective and generating, you know, prospective clinical data uh, to really study and prove that the, the products that, that are being used in these therapies to treat patients' work is, is really critically important for us. So that, you know, focus on things that we're really good at, right. generating clinical evidence, and then edu- from an education standpoint, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and energy training physicians. That is a primary market development vehicle for HCARE. Mm-hmm. So you see you know, a lot of Atricure training courses happening. It feels like almost every week or weekend, we're doing something uh, somewhere in the country and around the world uh, to train physicians. And so we're, we're really focused, really trying to drive, you know, uh, the business by staying on mm-hmm. the things that we're, we're really good at. Well said. Yeah, the, the focus in the discipline over an extended period of time, which Atricure has done. I think it's one of those things that we all talk about it. It's taught in management courses, but you don't see a lot of companies truly stick to it. Uh, and, it and it's clear that you guys have, especially in the spaces here. And like you said, there's so much opportunity. It's so big. It'd be easy to run in a million directions and not be able to generate the sort of prospective evidence that you guys have been building to show it's the right product for the right patient. I mean, our teams do such an excellent job. I mean, we, we have really incredible capabilities across the business from a, from a research and development perspective mm-hmm. to a clinical perspective to operations, manufacturing, scalability, uh, efficiency in making products and getting products around the world. I mean, we're, you know, we, we had, we just have an incredible team. And so, you know, when we think about kind of our core values, yeah. being patients, people, and partners, you know, we, we, we've strived to, to really stay true to those core values as we continue to grow. And that, you know, there are challenges that come with, with growing quickly, um, mm-hmm. but they're really exciting challenges to take on. Uh, growth challenges are, 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 are really fun. So I, you know, I yeah. think, uh, uh, but our, our teams, I mean, just do, we, we have really, really incredible people. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, it's a, a good segue into a, a different topic for the discussion. 
we're recording this, you know, audience members via a Zoom call. I think something all of us have become intimately familiar with over the last two and a half, almost three years now. You guys have a fast-growing company, fast-growing team, multiple sites, international. How's your leadership and management had to evolve um, or maybe not have to change during this time to be able to, you know, manage work from home, hybrid, different recruiting strategies? Like, how have you had to change throughout this? Yeah, well, I mean, aside from all the COVID cliches, which are all true, you know, everybody working from home, I have my dog, you know, laying on my feet right now, probably chewing on my chair. Um, you know, I, I, I think everybody's got those, those kinds of things. And that, that's all new. I mean, we, you know, when COVID uh, really started, you know, uh, in March of 2020, I think um, everybody's life changed in ways that still are profound. I mean, and, and, and will remain profound for forever, probably. But, you know, HCARE, I, I think we uh, committed early on to being highly communicative and probably more so. I mean, we strive to maintain as much transparency, you know, uh, internally in, in particular as possible so that our employees have um, visibility to what we're doing. And, and I think that's, that's something that is, we've learned is just core to what we do and whether there's a global pandemic or not, we, mm-hmm. we, we want to maintain a commitment to. Um, but in particular, when you're going through something as volatile as, as the pandemic, uh, staying really well connected uh, is really critically important. And so now that things are opening up a little bit, I mean, I, you know, we're, our, our global headquarters is in uh, Mason, Ohio, which is a northern suburb of Cincinnati, about equidistant between downtown Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. Um, we have an awesome facility there. We have an, we have an office here uh, in Minnesota, in Minnetonka, that, that is growing. Uh, we just actually expanded uh, that office so that we have even more capacity to grow. We have an office in Pleasanton, California, and our, our international headquarters is in Amsterdam, along with uh, small offices uh, in a couple places in Asia. So we, now that we're uh, out and about a little bit more, uh, traveling more, we've also realized that physical proximity is, is yeah. important, uh, but that kind of a hybrid mode of operating is something that's, you know, probably not ever going to go away. And I think mm-hmm. everybody has learned to adapt in different ways, but, and, and, and no, no, no one approach is probably perfect. Um, but you just try to do the best that you can do and be responsive and, and as flexible as possible for employees. So, that you know, people feel like we are being responsive, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I think that's really all you can do. So we we try to spend as much time as possible just staying connected with people and making sure that we have you know a really good pulse on on what's going on. But overall, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what life is like in five years. But you know, I, I I think a lot of things that we've all kind of adapted to probably aren't aren't going to go away. And that, and that's okay. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Uh, you know, it's just different. So yeah. we've all got to just deal with it in, oh, yeah. in our own ways. Well, yeah. And I think your comment on communications and transparency, it's another one of those things like we all knew that was the case. It got really reinforced because of the pandemic when 
we could no longer just like you know look down the hall or walk around the corner and that i think at least that's probably become a really good thing that we've all become more intentional about communicating about sharing what's going on so in, you know in a small way it gave us a little gift maybe not the way we would have liked to have received that gift <laughs> right. yeah, but we're learning <laughs> from it <laughs> yeah exactly it's it i i mean i was actually talking to somebody yesterday about this and you know the the idea of of networking whether you're doing that with people internal to the company or outside the company has totally changed but yeah. i've found that it's actually in some ways easier to do it now in a virtual environment in some ways where before I was like, okay, what time do you want to meet for coffee or what time are you going into the office or, you know, can we, uh, and now it's like, okay, well, I have 30 minutes. I can squeeze in another zoom. I mean, and, 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 or another WebEx or whatever. I mean, you know, and, and so I, I actually think that if, if I look back, I go, well, you know, I, I feel like in some ways we've, connected um, right. in different ways, but it, it, the volume has gone up. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so whether it's instant messaging or Teams or whatever, you know, uh, plat Slack, I mean, whatever platform people are using to communicate, I mean, uh, I, I feel like, you know, this new mode of operating um, to the extent possible, it's, it, you know, we've, we've tried to just slide into it and do, do the best, you know, use the tools that are available and do the best we can. But in some ways, it's 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 easier um, right. to connect with people. So it's it's not as nice as you know getting together and you know seeing people face to face in close proximity. Even for introverts, you know, like me, I think uh, you know you, you kind of go well. You know, it, it's uh, it maybe, but but you realize that that close you know physical proximity is still important. So it's a balance, yeah. and it can't be you know, all the way to one extreme or the other, you have to, you have to try, you know, do your best to play it down the middle. And that's, you know, that's not always easy, but it's, it's, it's probably here to stay. Yeah. I, I think that is one of the bigger items. We're all still trying to figure out what's the, the right balance or when do you make the decision to say this should be in person versus this should be virtual, not it can be virtual or it can be in person, but that it should be. Yeah. Um, and, and I would agree with you. The, the world in a lot of ways has got smaller where instead of hopping on a plane for a first meeting, can do a Zoom call, can do a WebEx and make that connection. And it, it really frees it up. Although I will say the 30 minutes thing is also dangerous because it's real easy to stack the calendar back to back to back uh, and end up with a, you know, a 15 meeting day. It is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I, I, I think we're it also taking that time to create space for yourself is also like like you're suggesting. I mean, is is, right is equally as important. So I think that's something to encourage for everybody. Right on. Well, and that that might be the right place to to let it go, to leave people on those good words of leave yourself some space. That's right. <laughs> Block your calendar for time right. not to have the meetings. So, Justin, I want to say thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast, sharing a little bit about uh, how you're thinking about the world and what Atrikir is up to. And thank you for being a part of the Medical Alley community. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And folks, that's the Medical Alley podcast. 
If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you go to medicalalleypodcast.com or you can find it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Until next time, have a great day.